like waffles? Yeah, we like waffles. Do you like pancakes? Yeah, we like pancakes. Do you like French toast? Yeah, we like French toast. Dip, 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 can't wait to get a mouthful of waffles. Hello, good evening and welcome to The Sports Waffle. Matt Myers here as always. Today I am joined by Jonah and Nick Owen as always. However, we've had some changes to The Sports Waffle pod. Charlie, um, who I think he was on one episode, wasn't he, lads? Has moved on to Pastures New um, and he can no longer do podcasts because of the uh, contract he's now on. He works in, uh, I won't tell you what he works in, but it's not in a filmmaking capacity, uh, but he's gone to work for a corporation who don't allow him to do podcasts without written permission. And so it's not rock the boat. He decided to step back from it. Uh, let's just say they're British and they broadcast. Um, but we have, thankfully, a gentleman who stepped up in his place. We haven't lost a Titans fan because there's still one here. Adam, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. That's Come got to on. be one of the, that has to be one of the worst slogans ever. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. No, it's not. It's really that's bad. That's good. It's the best. Bear down does my eating enough, but Titan up is Anyway, a Titans <laughs> fan. Why be the a Titans fan? Um well I went to Nashville really. Um I was kind of got involved in NFL 2013 or so. Didn't really have a team. Um I kind of liked the, the Saints, really, just because I like the uniform, but didn't follow them as such. Uh, went on holiday to Nashville and fell in love with the people there. You know, there was a, there was a Jags Titans game on, actually. Um, I was lucky enough to go to, and yeah, they kind of they chose me. Nice. So that's my you, story. So you watched a Jags Titans game and still stuck to American football, which is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything could Shocking. put you off. That's <laughs> actually really good. I, I so I used to work for the police, and um, I, I went out there when I went to Nashville, made contacts with some of the state troopers up there, and did some cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, and yeah, and I bas- basically got a bit of VIP access to the Titans game. So it wasn't just a regular game. You know, I went a bit of backstage, locker rooms, VIP treatment because uh, one of the family member, one of the coppers, that I went out with. Um, so, yeah, I kind of had the VRB treatment. I thought, well, it's been pretty good, really. So, yeah, so that's, that's how I became a Titans fan. And I've kind of gone from nothing to pretty diehard in the last few years. <laughs> awesome work. This Nashville thing seems to be an addiction because I think Charlie was the same reason, wasn't he? He went to Nashville and was kind of like just got encompassed by it. Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing place. I remember watching, when was it? Was it draft there last year? Yeah. Then the pictures of what's the street called? Downtown. Yeah, yeah there's, a, that's what's, there's a there's a there's a. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't think what it's called. The name defeats me. Someone will find it in a second. Um, but they just looked like they should just shut the town down, and I imagine that's a regular occurrence by the looks of it. Yeah. So when we went, we you know, I went with my mum, and I originally didn't want to go to Nashville, but she said, oh, "I'm going to Nashville." I thought, "Well, free holiday, why not?" <laughs> why not? And yeah, you know, the, you know, you see families, different teams walking down. Everyone's just the police are involved, and you know, they've all got their Titans caps on and. It's just dead chilled and a really good atmosphere. You know, no, I didn't see any trouble at all. Um, and yeah, I loved it. So yeah, they chose me really and that's how I became a Titans fan. 
I'm always amazed, actually, speaking of the trouble, is the amount of videos you see that get put out usually on a Sunday night of fans fighting in the stadium. Now, I was lucky enough when I did to go to a few games. Um, we, we, it was very, very hospitable. We, we sat next to some uh, very much local rivals. And the bloke I was with was giving them a whole load of grief. And it was really good banter. There was nothing more to it. Yet you see these, and it might just be the Buffalo Bills. I don't know the exact science here. Bills Mafia. Yeah. But proper inside the stadium having a ruck. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it before with the Packers fans as well. I've seen a few of them. They're a bit nuts, aren't they? <laughs> Just bring your own shovel. That's a bit of a bit of a quirk. To be fair, I think my wife might have knocked someone out of the Wembley game the other year. To be fair, she woman standing next to her wouldn't shut up. Um, right, we move on. Bundesliga has returned um, with no fans. The Premier League is talking about returning. They had six people today tested positive for the coronavirus. But my question to you guys is: How big a balls does Troy Deeney have to stand up and go? I ain't fucking playing. Because to me, that's massive. To, for him to go, you know what? Don't care what you lot say. I don't care how much money you find me. I'm not coming. I've got a little kid. He could get sick. Jog on. Mr. Owen? Yeah, and I wouldn't expect anything less from Troy Deeney, to be fair, because he always comes across as straight-talking, no-bullshit kind of player. He plays that way. Um, he interviews that way. I think it it could set a good precedent because I don't think it needs to come back anyway. I think another six cases today shows that we're not close to it coming back. Um, I like that he's come forward and said that because it might mean that other players now follow the example. At the end of the day, it's it's football, it's sport. Yeah, there is money involved in it. Yeah, there's TV rights. You're talking people's lives. That that's That's what it comes down to. And if he's got a five-month-old, was it? Who's yeah, got um, five months old with breathing, breathing issues? You know, it's just not worth the risk. That's that's the thing. It probably it's highly unlikely that it impacts Troy Deeney, but it's very likely it could impact his five-month-old if he did contract it. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, if he says, you know what, I'm not playing. I'll come back in September if there's a league. That five-month-old is eight eight months old, say roughly. You know, it might be stronger, might be able to cope with it better. So it's probably, you know, it's a very sensible decision. Joe, do you think he's wise? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of my work at the moment is revolving around ringing people who are on the shielding list. So the government have issued the shielding list. If you've got any of these X, Y, Z conditions, you have to stay in for 12 weeks and into week nine now. So if it comes out and everything's cleared up by them, but it doesn't look like it is, and they want him to go in training, is it training staff? This week in small groups, yeah, something it's, like that. I it? mean, I it's I don't know. If you'd have asked me five years ago, six years ago, I'd have gone, ah, oh, do you know what? Just get on with it and play. Now I've got a family myself. I just think, nah, you know, there's, it's it's not like we're desperate for it. I mean, did did any of you guys watch the Bundesliga at the weekend? No, I, I, I would rather watch paint dry. I really struggle. I used to be the most enormous soccer fan growing up as a kid. I could tell you the substitute, substitute for every team in the Premier League. I just can't get into it now. I just really struggle with it. I don't know why, but I watched about a couple of the highlights and it just looks dreadful. They don't look fit, for starters. It just looks very poor. Ad, what do you think? Is a wise choice to uh, to stay away? 
Yeah, I think it's, it's a sensible choice, really. And, and, and like Nick said, I think it, once he's he said that, I think more people will go, actually, I didn't have the bot to say it, but actually he said it. So, yeah, we, we, we agree. Um, he's got kids. I, I just think it's, it's irresponsible, if I'm honest, to, to, do, to go out and, and train. I think, you know, like Nick said, he, he might not catch it, but he could pass it on to who knows whoever. And, yeah, I think he's done the right thing. And I think hopefully, I think more people will. Yeah, I think I agree with you that one. I think you find that <clears throat> there'll be lots of players who just kind of go, you know what, I'm going to follow that and, and take your lead and not do it. I mean, we've got one of my kids, he's, he's mildly asthmatic. You know, if it's a cold winter's day, he might be a bit chesty. And we're not sending him back. You know, no, it's just not worth the risk for, you know, if it's school starts when they're 1st of June, they're talking about the schools are going back. He's going to do maybe five weeks. He's in year one. My wife's a teacher. He's not going to lose out on much. I mean, we might kill him for being an absolute pain in the ass, but that's his only risk. Like, his only risk right now. Um, Nick, did you have any other point to make? Yeah, I was just going to say, just touching on, I, I did see some of the highlights, Jonah, from the Bundesliga, and one thing that was really apparent to me is that sport is soulless without fans. It's yeah. absolutely soulless. It, it's, it's eerie, almost without the, fans. You could hear the, the players kind of calling the ball, and it just. It sounded like a couple of lads playing football on, you know, the yeah. local park. And the thing is, in some sports, I think it works to a degree because I don't know if you you've seen any of the UFC over the last couple of weeks, but it works to a degree in a sport like that because you almost learn a little bit more about the sport because you can actually hear the corners mm. in between rounds and, and while the rounds are going on, and you can hear them shouting the instructions and. From that point, it's like, oh, that that's pretty good because you you can't usually hear stuff like that. But then the whole thing with football and any sport that's in front of any sort of mass gathering like football, NFL, you, your crowd plays such a big part in the game, I think. And from the weekend, it, it just showed that, yeah, sport could carry on without fans, but it's just not the same. Did you see them celebrating? When it's scored and celebrating, like, you know, it just looked really awkward. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, there's no fans here to cheer us on. It just looked I also, really cringe. I, I also saw them all sat on the bench, spaces apart with the mm. masculine on the bench. Absolutely pointless. What's the point in that? Yeah. What is I the point? minutes later, they're at a corner grappling. Yeah, yeah. Or, they're, or they're standing in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, come on, lads. Let's, let's, work, let's work out some logic here. One of the... Uh, talking about crowd noise, the... Um, <clears throat> It was always highlighted at Lucas Oil when Peyton Manning was the QB, that that place would be loud and raucous and he'd get to the centre and the whole place would go silent. You'd kind of really notice the difference. Hmm. You know, like I said, it's the same, actually, we'll come on to it in a bit, actually. We'll talk about that a bit more. We move on to uh, Major League Baseball now. Talking about them returning uh, as of some day in the future, not far away. Players are starting to kind of refuse to play if they're going to reduce the salaries, which they're talking about doing. So, do you think the players have any right to not play if they say they're only going to get half wages for half a season? Newbie, Adam, what do you think? It's a tough one. It's interesting because I was listening to a, a unnamed podcast, so I shall say, <laughs> when advertising other podcasts. But they were talking about pay within the sports in America. So NFL players, it's in their contract, they get paid whether the game goes ahead or not, whereas NBA and NBL don't. And I think it's quite interesting because actually, you know, if, if you're not going to get paid all the money, should you play? There aren't a lot of money as it is, you know. Me personally, I'd probably say, well, I'll take the hit, you know, I'm not risking it. 
Um, but yeah, it's just interesting how the different contracts work. And actually, if the games don't go ahead, they don't get paid at all. Now, whether they choose not to play, I don't you know. They've got enough money sat in the bank. I don't see why they can't and why they shouldn't. Um, what that has impact-wise on their future career, who knows? Um, I think that's probably one of the big issues, actually. You know, if, if they decide not to play, um, is that the end of their game, their career? Um, but yeah, personally, I, I probably would say it's not, not worth... Whether I was getting paid full, to be honest, I probably wouldn't want to play. But then again, it's America. <laughs> it's a little bit different at the moment, isn't it? You know? Rule unto themselves. Jonah, yeah. what do you think? I think a lot of it depends on where you are in the pecking order. The American sports compared to like the British sports, European sports, the top whack are on mega money and the bottom players are on, I mean, they're on great money compared to the Joe public, but they're not on, you couldn't retire on a year of, you know, on, on the year of relief pitching, money, could you? So I think if I was on 160 million, I think, I, and I didn't want to do it, I might, I might hold my ground. But I think if you're one, like you said, one of the, the bottom rung, bottom of the roster, you've got to go because, as uh, as I'd said, that you could easily find yourself blackballed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was was it Mike Trout, Nick, that uh, both said he doesn't want to play. I think you brought it up the other day, didn't you? Yeah, no, I think I think it is Mike Trout's been one of the one of the driving yeah. forces on it. Um, I I agree with you, Jonah. Yeah, I I agree with you, but at the same time, part of me thinks it's a bit out of touch because there's so many people that are probably suffering on absolutely piss poor salaries. And, you know, there's people left, right and centre in this country that are furloughed. It's, I get, I'd get it in one hand, but then in the other hand, I just think. I think it's where the money would go. Personally. I think if they said, what we're going to do is we're not going to pay you half your salary and it's going to go to a local hospital or a local, hmm. local, covid do you know what i mean relief fund etc 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 i think they'd be ourselves not to do it but when it's just gonna line hicks and gillette's pockets or whoever runs whatever it is then with you know are, are they doing it for the right reasons no absolutely i think you've also got to look at something like a small town team like my kansas city royals you know yeah we've got some guys on on decent money but actually the Royals losing a season, it'll affect the community more than it'll affect the actual players. Because, I mean, Kansas City, you know, it's not a massively affluent area, not billionaires around every corner. But the game days, even just a small Royals game, you know, you had, you know, the, the, the local Waffle House would do a promotion before the game, the local pizzeria, if so, so many home runs were hit, they would do a half-price pizza. And you'd part down and take advantage of them. Why wouldn't you? And I think that's the part of this that might get missed a little bit in players bouncing back. Well, well, I'm not playing this. I'm not playing, not playing for half wages. I'm not playing for this. Actually, if you ignore the billions and billions of pounds they're making at the top end, and like you say, if it's going to Hicks or whoever it's going to, yeah, if they're pocketing it, I've got no sympathy for them at all. But actually, if they're going to say, well, actually, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put it into a Kansas City relief fund, all the extra bits and pieces we're not paying, and we're going to go and use that for good things, then... Actually, there's part of that where I kind of go, that's not a bad way of doing it. I think the ones it affects a lot more are the guys in their last season of their contracts. Because for a lot of them, especially with the way the American contract, and probably you know, football contracts as well, that last, you know, for someone that would be their last contract, and that's the one where they make the most amount of money usually, and then they make a couple of piddly ones after that. There's a big contract. And if you're in your last year, 
and you needed that next kick, you might lose out there a little bit. And, and, and how you handle this might be the way you, you impress people or, or don't impress people. What do you think? Think that's going to be an idea, Nick? Think there'll be some guys who'll just kind of go, actually, you know what? I'm going to go out there anyway. Yeah, I think, I think you will. Yeah, definitely. What I'm concerned with, and I'm sure you will be as well, Matt. Um, what's the story with minor leagues? So, minor league, a they get paid piss fuck all anyway. So you basically don't really get paid in the minor leagues. Uh, you get what's called uh, meal, like a meal allowance. Mm. So you basically travel around with the team. You get a you know, fourteen thousand dollars a year salary or something like that, and then you are basically accommodated and fed at the team's expense. So those guys will go from Omaha off to somewhere in Arizona. They'll get to where they're going. And if it's an off day, they'll be given 70 odd dollars and they'll go, right, that's your money for the day. Feed yourself. The hotel room's paid for off you go. So I don't know whether they are continuing to do that for those guys because there's no real extra money. Those guys are going to be out there earning. Um, however, they've probably got the most chance of returning because there really isn't anybody at their games anyway. Like I said, yeah. when, I said last time on the podcast, we went to watch um, where I lived. Um, the Springfield Cardinals had their, sorry, St. Louis Cardinals had the Springfield Cardinals who were their, I want to say double A, not triple A team. And uh, Pujols was injured coming back, needed a game, rocked up for these you know, average outfitters. But even then, there was only a thousand people at this game. And you know, that's, you'd expect for the calibre of player he was, there to be a lot more. So they could probably get that going again quite easily. It's just whether it's worth it if you've got no major leagues. Yeah. Um, so, and at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing, money. And yeah. Yeah. None at the top end. There's definitely none at the bottom end. Actually, I did see something in another, on another subject on money side of things. Talk today between uh, League Two and the conference of splitting it into a north and south because it would say fans and the team travel expenses you get a lot more local derbies that seemed to be a really sensible and i think this, this is something that we should be doing now a lot more you've got an opportunity now everything is stopped all the things we've moaned about for years that could never really fix let's try and fix them now so if we only need 16 teams in the premier league well let's do that now let's kind of put all those things to bed um, whether they can do or they can't do, but I thought it was a really sensible idea. Right, we shall move on to one of the uh, testier subjects of uh, of times. So, the uh, Rooney rule in the NFL, and I'll uh, very quickly read you what it is. So, the Rooney rule is within the National Football League, policy that requires teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operations job. It's an example of affirmative action, even though there is no hiring quota or hiring preference given to minorities, only an interviewing quota. Now, I'll caveat this entire subject by saying we are four white English men, so we know next to nothing about the struggle. However, the Rooney Rule was brought in, and actually the impression I got looking at it from an outsider was it was very successful in terms of getting people who may not have got there. Jim Cordwell, uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, a few others I can't think of right now, I should have written them down, into roles where they may not have gotten an opportunity in the past. 
However, the ruling the NFL proposed was that should a team hire um, a ethnic minority in a role, they would get an improved draft pick. Who shall I start with? Nick, going to go to you, mate. What do you think? What's your opinion? Don't like it. Okay. Do not like it. And I think it's, I think it promotes wrong behaviours. I think there's there's clearly a problem in the NFL when it comes to ethnic minority coaches. I think there's only, is the three or four now. I know you've you've got Mike Tomlin, still Anthony Lynn, um, Flores. The, Flores at Miami. Flores, yeah. Um, I think it'll promote bad behaviour because will a team take on a coach from an ethnic minority background just to move up in a draft? Because is it six spaces for a coach, but is 10 for a GM? Oh, is that now, what we were talking about? Yeah, it's yeah. up to 16, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's some pretty shady business goes on in the NFL. So it makes me think you bring something like that, there shouldn't be an incentive to be bringing coaches like that in because they've shown in the, I think it was, was it in the early 2000s that there was, again, a small number of, of um, ethnic minority coaches, but there was actually two in the Super Bowl. And the, the I can't remember who the two were. It, Mike Tomlin may have been one of them at the time, but the percentage chance of it happening was something like 4%. Now, if if you're starting to say, well, you you could move up the draft, chances are you're then going to get teams bringing coaches like that in, but not because they deserve to be there, more because there's an incentive to do it, and that's where I don't agree with it. You, you, this, there's clearly a problem, like I said, but these the, there's coaches that clearly aren't being given the opportunity anyway in, in the first place, and that, that's where the issue should be. Absolutely. What do you think, Jonah? So, yeah, I mean, the, the, when the Rooney Rule first came in, I think it was Dallas Cowboys, but I'll be careful, they had to interview one Bain candidate and, you know, for every head coaching job or whatever. So they interviewed four white head coaches in the facility and they rang the Bain candidate, candidate up just to meet the rules. And I think they, should, they could maybe put something in place a bit like we have in the UK with if you meet the criteria and you hit one, you know, and, and you are from one of these protected groups, you qualify for an interview, but they shouldn't just be, they sh- you know, as you said, what's, what's to stop them taking people on, especially, especially if they think they might tank for a year. And I don't think that these head coaches would want to be selected on based on their ethnicity. I think they don't want that. They want to be chosen and just not have roadblocks put in their place. I think with the Kaepernick thing, you know, the kneeling and how you saw some of the owners' responses to it, it shows how out of touch people were. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure there's owners in, in the NFL who would hate to have a non-white quarterback. Do you know what I mean? But if, if 25 years ago, the idea of having a, a Bane quarterback was ridiculed, or, you know, I mean... They couldn't do it. And now you've got to think Lamar, Mahomes, um, Watson, Wilson, Wilson, geez, you had the little hobbit. What a player he is, by the way. Uh, Probably six of the the biggest and most popular quarterbacks 
are from BAME backgrounds. So I don't, I don't like it. It feels like they're trying to shoehorn something in. Whereas I, I think like, why not get, get in touch with the likes of Richard Sherman, who's quite a vocal person, get in touch with the leading people and say like, why, why aren't you stepping into coaching? Can we get it promoted more? You know, but I, I don't like it. It's, it's the same. The 49ers have got a female coach. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't be, oh, we should get an extra draft pick or we should get to play, you know, nine home games or, you know, anything like that. She's been picked and she's in place because she's good at her job. And I, I, don't, I, I presume she hates, I've read stuff from her that she hates being referred to as the female coach. She's not. She's the wide receivers coach or whatever role she does. Do you know what I mean? It's it's based on ability, not on ethnicity. But at the same time, they are. There's a glass ceiling for people, isn't there? Absolutely. And what do you think? Right. So I've, I've written some stuff down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in principle, I think it's a good idea in regards to the opportunities. Um, you know, like we have in the UK, kind of positive discrimination in in a way. Actually, it opens a door for. To, to allow kind of ethnic minorities to get that chance they might not normally have. However, I think the actual, what they plan to do kind of echoes what Nick said, really. I think, you know, the NFL is a cutthroat business and I'm, I'm a cynical person anyway. And, and I just think it could be open to, to abuse. You know, they're going to hire someone to, to get up the, up the draft. And then, you know, who says six months later, that person gets fired because they're not doing their job properly. But in reality, the plan has always been that just to, you know, a tactical hire really. Um, and I also kind of wonder how, how these people, how, how the coaches and, and feel, because, you know, I don't know how I would feel if I've got an interview for a job, knowing I've only got the interview because I'm black, not because on merit of I'm a good coach or, or I'm a good coordinator, it's purely because of the colour of my skin. Um, and, and I just wonder how they feel that, you know, they're going for a job interview and they might not get a job or they might get a job, but the only reason they're there is because they have to be there or a, someone has to be there and it just happens to be them. And I just think, you know, ultimately, will this really change anything? Like, 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 like what's been said, there's going to be some, some owners that clearly have their own views, depending on where they are, you know, geographically in America, that there are strong views. And actually, I think, I don't think it will change anything. You know, they might get interviewed, but actually, I think the owners will say this is... It's a, it's a, you're just wasting someone's flight, aren't you? For sure. And it's demoralising for that person to go to these interviews. You know, are they going to end up going to all these different interviews around around America because they have to? And actually, they're not going to get a job at the end of it. I think that's really quite demoralising for that person. And then they, you know, it's got kind of snowball effect. Then, and they wonder why people aren't going to go for these jobs because of that whole process that, that's been looked into. And I just think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's open for abuse, and I don't think it's been thought out well. I think from my from my point of view, the only thing wrong with it is the incentive. Um, not so much the incentive to employ, but the incentive of draft picks, mm. because that is something that is it's worth it's worth money. Now, if you were going to tag on an extra draft pick in round seven, wouldn't make a difference. But going from pick, you know, twenty to pick four is a big jump if that's what they're yeah. talking about being able to do. Now, from my point of view, and again, I am not specialist on the subject at all but I actually think it's, it's a good thing because they brought in the Rooney rule we've now got 
a higher percentage of black coaches or ethnic minority coaches than we did before it, before it arrived. Yes, it's crap. We shouldn't need it. You know, but we shouldn't needed forced or forced unsegregation back in the sixties and seventies. We shouldn't Absolutely. needed that. Yeah. But we did. And if you look at South Africa when they brought in the quota system for the international for the cricket team. So they brought in the cricket team and it upset a lot of people. It upset someone like Kevin Peterson, who because he was left out because they had to hit their quota, he left the country, came to play for England. But it's meant you've had these absolute heroes within the communities like Makai and Tini and people like that who brought other players up who've seen Makai and Tini get to that point and go, if he can do it, I can do it. And I think there's a part of me that says, actually, whilst the remuneration side of it, the extra draft picks is probably not the way to do it because it is, like you say, open for abuse. But if actually you can get that percentage up, that can only be a good thing for all the communities, only a good thing for all the kids looking up going, what am I going to do? The Richard Sherman thing is a good shout. What percentage actually, you know, we're saying, okay, there's only, only 4% uh, of coaches, I think it is, or whatever it is, that are the, the, the ethnic minorities within NCAA or, or, the, or, or the NFL. But actually, what's the pool to choose from? Because if you've got a hundred, you know, a thousand white coaches and you've only got fifty ethnic minority coaches, well, you you can't say you're going to interview the same amount. But what's stopping there being a thousand of both? Definitely, and I think yeah. I think that's something you need to have a look at. Maybe you could make them have to have a percentage of BAME coaches or BAME staff on the playing side. Maybe you know. That would be something because then you'd have to take people on board rather than being, I don't know. Again, then you're looking at, is it the ability, you know, are you getting the right people for the right job? And it, it, it's a bit of a vicious circle, really, isn't it? But, but I, yeah, I agree. But you're then creating jobs and then you're giving that opportunity, like Matt said, for the, the young coaches to, to aspire to. Yeah. What you don't want to see is some sort of rule where, like we have in English football, or where Allardyce, Pardew, you know, them just rotate round. Oh, yeah. You know, they just like on, <laughs> on the on, on the carousel. You don't want to see Mike Tomlin popping up in every facility just because people want to get 12 places up the draft or something. You made a good point, Adam, about what the, what the coaches, the, the ethnic minority coaches, what they think about it, which I think... I mean, it's hard to say. I would think that way in in their shoes because I've, I've, you know, I'm like you said, Matt. I'm I'm a white, you know, English-born Wiganer. It doesn't apply the same to me. I've not had to face the same struggles, but I can only imagine that it's it's difficult because are you then yourself thinking I'm in this role because there's a quarter to fill or a standard to meet? Are the players then also thinking? this guy's been hired because he sort of has to be. Are the fans then thinking that? And it only takes then maybe even a few bad results and people are starting to question, were you the right man for the job, really? I think off the off the bat, things like this end up tarnishing coaches before they've really had yeah. a chance yeah. to show that they can actually do the job and do it well. And on the flip side, it also sometimes, you know, uh, who's the one that was at the Browns? Hugh Jackson. I, oh, yeah. Having watched the videos, he does look like a god-awful coach. So I don't think it mattered <laughs> the colour of his skin. I think if he'd have been any colour, he was bloody awful. 
But the same can be said for a lot of coaches that get hired that are white. They're, a, they're bloody awful coaches. So, you know, I think they should be hired on merits. But if it takes a quota like this to get some of these owners to stop being dickheads, then yeah. um, so be it and, and, and carry on. Um, just watch how they are doing the quotas. Or not the quotas, the incentives. Because uh, things yes. can be done for the wrong reasons, shall we yeah. say. It's going to be interesting, I think, and it's, uh, that's, that was my main concern. Actually, uh, it's open to abuse. I just think could uh, could, could these high and fires be tactical purely on the basis of you know, possibly getting sixteen, you know, jumping sixteen places in a draft, you know? And, and if you if you're jumping from the top of the third, you know, is it only third round you can do it? As? As I, I think it's third, yeah. Yeah, but if you're picking, say, say you finish with a third worst <laughs> record, and you're jumping from third in the third round. You're jumping up to the middle of the second, you know. You, mm. That's a, that's a massive Big goal jump. you can go up to, like you said. Yeah. Well, if but you think, I um, think we have Antonio Brown tiptoed round this perfectly down the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done all right. Who, speaking of that, going up a few picks, who was the uh, Eagles running back this year? Is it Sanders? Sanders. Yeah. Oh, Miles Sanders. Yeah. yeah, he was a 23rd pick in the second round. I only know that because he hit me quiz. 23rd pick in the second round. If you went from 32 to 16, you could have picked him up. Yeah. So, it's a good point you make. Right. Back, you know, back a little bit in the podcast. If you were listening, you heard Nick talk about the fact that the Bundesliga lost its soul this weekend. So, I have an uh, opinion on this. I'd like to see what yours are. Is sport better live or on tv or does it depend upon the sport and i have follow-up questions i'll start with nick looks the most confused i'm going to go straight to nick (laughs) (laughs) Nick, i'm gonna i'm gonna go the easy way out on this and say is it is dependent on the sport but <laughs> Someone, someone's got to say it. It's got, you know, it might as well be me. Might as well get it off the table. Now, I think it does depend on the sport. There's some sports where, and to an extent, there's sports that I like watching live. I, lo- I love watching football live, but I'll quite happily sit and watch it on the TV because you get the commentary, and I think you get sometimes more of a feel for, like. Obviously, the cameras and stuff like that, it picks up maybe more than what you see yourself in in a stadium. You might miss things. You get your replays, you know, so you're seeing things that you you might have missed again in the stadium. But I think it is dependent on what sport it is. Like darts is, you either like darts or you don't. Me, personally, I think it's quite an easy watch. But when you're in an arena, it's different. It's almost like you're not even there for the darts anymore. You're just there for a giant piss-up. Um, but even someone that's maybe not them that into darts can still enjoy the sport because you can call it sport because of, of, of what's going on around you. It's the, it's the atmosphere that you're there for, but it's not the same with every sport. I think some sports do work better on TV than what they do live. Right, we'll go through them in a minute then. Uh, Jonah? I am going to sit on the fence with Nick and say I think it depends where you're sat. Not enough room on this fence for two. I'll have you know. Well, it's also a really shitty podcast if you all sit on the fence. No, I think I think like if, if you're in a ground and you've got a real great view of one goal or one touch end zone or one whatever, you've got a shit view of the other one. Do you know what I mean? And like 
that that's the issue. You can have seats at some sport, and like I've sat at cricket behind the bowler's arm, and it's the most incredible view. It's 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 as good as watching on the TV plus the atmosphere. But I've also sat in football grounds, like I've been to Newcastle away, and I I was I was about a month from the stadium. <laughs> Ad, what about you, mate? I've got my uh, fence post with me to uh, oh, put some fence to sun the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think it depends on the sport. I mean, you know, watching golf live, I can't think of anything worse. I wouldn't mind watching it on TV. Um, darts on TV, I like, but like like Nick said, darts live is, is something else. You know, you, you are on a piss up. Just happened you're a, a sports event, if you call it sports. Um, NFL. You know, I've been to Wembley, I've been, been in Nashville. It's, it's amazing live. Um, but then again, it's good to sit and watch Red Zone and catch you know, a bit of everything and listen to the commentary. So I think it's just difficult. You know, F1, I love F1. But the thought of going to watch Formula One live is shit because you see about three seconds of the cars go past and that's it. Whereas on TV, you know, you've got all the different angles, you've got the commentary, statistics. So, yeah, sorry, lads, I'm on the fence with you. Um, and it depends on what sport it is, really. Right. You're a lot of fucking useless. Come on, Matt. Be objective. <laughs> be objective. I don't need to be objective. I am nowhere near the fucking fence. That fence is a blip in the distance. Sport is 100% better on the telly. Oh. oh. No, no, no. You're just in, tight. I'm, I'm not tight. I will pay for all of them. I'm quite happy to pay for all of them. I will sit and watch all the adverts. They try to flog me. In the 90s, when it was crap and it was grandson on a Saturday and there was no decent telly, I will grant you, you could probably go a game and enjoy it more. But if you're telling me that I can sit and watch a tennis, so let's take, let's take last year, for example, you had the Formula One on Saturday, the English cricket final and Wimbledon tennis final. I could pick which one of them I wanted to watch when I wanted to watch it. And if they were shit, I could go and do something else. Or I could sit and watch a good game a crap game. I could watch four different things. I can pick and choose what I want. And if you go through the sports, so, so far we've said, if we watch darts on the telly, it's good, but if we go, you're on a piss up. It's still good though when you go there though. But you're not there to watch the darts, are you? You I'd see them for a start. It's experience. (laughs) Put it on the telly in the pub, I'll go to the pub, I'll get the same experience. Right? I can go with my mate, and it's probably half the fucking price as well, more importantly. <laughs> I'm not going to sum it. There was a funny one. John, uh, John Bishop said a few years ago that they play the Checkered Trade trophy final at Wembley, and the fans realise if they all chip together rather than buying a beer, they could have bought a fucking left back. That's how expensive it is going to a game. And if you go through it, so Formula One is definitely not better live. No. Tennis, meh. Cricket, test matches, definitely not live. Not worth going to the ground you don't see enough t20 might be good but again you're kind of on the booze rather than being there for the game so i am not on the fence i am very much now that being said anybody wants to invite me or i get tickets to any of the games i will go and watch them but it will have to be you can't say though you can't like when ben stokes hit the winning run I jumped up in my lounge. Imagine being surrounded by 50,000 like-minded people. Yeah, imagine... Hang on, let's just break that down. Go on, carry on, and then I'm going to have a battle. Carry on. Imagine the Rugby World Cup 2003. There's Johnny... That that drop goal. I'll cover both of those off then. Hang on. So hang on, let's go through this. So we go with uh, Wilkinson World Cup. 
And what was your one? Stokes, Stokes at, uh, Headingley. Stokes right. Headingley. Okay. So, Stokes at Headingley. I'm surrounded by a bunch of Northerners in a place that's going to be ruddy hot because there's no stand, no roof on the stand. So I'm going to be hot as hell. I've got to drink expensive beer. I sat here whilst at work and watched that entire day's cricket from my living room. Thoroughly enjoyed six hours of cricket. My wife couldn't moan at me because I was at work. I could drink as much a cold, cold drink out of my fridge. It was lovely. And he hit them winning runs and I got goosebumps on my arm and thoroughly enjoyed it. As for the Johnny Wilkinson World Cup, it was in Australia. I'm going to spend a hell of a lot of money having to go and watch that. Right? It's probably going to be the best part of three or four thousand quid. Yes, I am being tight, but I just Maybe if you had think... better mates, you'd enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> that, that, on that, actually, I've been to two baseball games, once with the wife, um, once with me mates. And actually, both of them were very enjoyable for the atmosphere. And I'll grant you, the atmosphere side of things, if it's a slow, relaxed, you're enjoying it, it's nice weather, then it's a bit of fun. But a Tuesday night in Stoke, no chance I want to go to that. Footballers don't want to play. I don't want to go watch it. <laughs> and I'm not on the fence. You lot can pussy about on that fence. Go, oh, some games are all right on telly. No. It's funny, though, that every podcast you mention watching Puyols smoke that ball out of the stadium because you were there. Only because it's it fun. It lives to with oh, you. It, yeah. That's what it is. It lives with you. You've been rumbled. No, 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 no. What's my... <laughs> hello? Oh, I saw this highlight on ESPN. Nah, it's, you lived it. What's my favourite highlight of all time? That one is heading to New Hampshire. That's 13 years old, and I still remember the commentary. I do, you know I think, do you know what I think are the, the sports that do work better on TV, in my opinion, are the American oh, ones? Well, it's a bit far for travel to watch them live, isn't it? There Boxing. is that. Boxing there is that. Well. But I think with the American ones, and you sort of see live what happens between plays. If, if you got someone to just watch an NFL game, whether it's on TV or whether it's live, they're going to ask you what's going on between plays. Why, why is it taking so long? Why does it take three hours to play a game that's 60 minutes? But I think once you've seen it live, you appreciate what's happening between plays. But what I like about it on the TV is that with the American sports, because they have the breaks and the timeouts, you get the analysis behind it as well. And you yeah. get the review of plays as it's happened. You get the expert stuff where they're drawing circles around people, drawing lines here, there and everywhere. That's what I really like. I think the American sports work perfect on TV. But go on then. If you had to, what are the ones you... If you could only watch it live, you couldn't watch it on the telly, which one are you going to have live? So you've said American sports are better on the telly. Which ones are your better ones for live and which ones are you going telly, Nick? Am I limited to how many I can pick? Uh, pick pick your top two telly, top two live. Top two telly, NFL, baseball. I think baseball's better on TV. Okay. Live, live. I'll go with football, our football, soccer. Soccer. And rugby. Jonah, where would you go? What's your top two telly, top two live? 
golf like uh, golf on telly. Yeah. Golf on telly because you, you you cut all the walking out and you you see it loads. <laughs> and I'd say Formula One would be, but it's not a sport. Um, so I'll stick with American football. How can you bring up darts? Might not be a sport yet. Driving in a car is, and live football and cricket. Ad. Uh, well, I'm gonna go TV, NFL, Formula One. <laughs> yeah. Um, purely kind of analysis. Listen to in car. You know, same with the NFL. I suppose you know you can listen to the comms as well. Um, and live, I'd probably go snooker actually. Um, just because they, they have the earpieces to listen into the commentary as well. And probably rugby, rugby union. Interesting, interesting boys. See, I think, like I said, if you exclude the show pieces, so to walk up the 18th with Tiger at Augusta, watching him win that one, and watching the Super Bowl, I just think that the TV gives you that, that option. So my biggest hatred with a lot of the games, so with T20, with the NBA, with T20 cricket, once you've got, if one team scores 200, the next one are 38 for six, that's done. If I'm at that ground, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's done. Yeah. Whereas I'm home on the telly, I'll put on the other game or I'll put on something else. And it's probably, it's probably more me and my you know, inability to pay attention for long enough with anything. But I like that. I mean, I can't get away from NFL Red Zone. Nah. It would, nah. I was at the live game at London and really missed watching NFL Red Zone because I just kind of thought... I had it on my phone. Did you? <laughs> yeah. My wife may have killed me if I'd have sat in the NFL watching Red Zone. I may have been a dead man. Um, but the F1, 100% better live. Oh, sorry, on the TV than live. Because like yeah. I said, you see a car every three seconds. And the in-depth... And like I said, back in the 90s when it was BBC One or ITV or Channel 4, Channel 5... You didn't get what you get now, you know. The F1 coverage is absolutely ludicrous. They can tell you what lug nut wasn't. You know, I mean lug nut. What lug nut was loose in this corner, and that's why it happened. You're listening to the guys talk and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. with cricket, they're going more that way as well. You're starting to hear the interaction of the players and some of the banter and those bits and pieces. And I think as Amazon get more into this, I think the whole encompassing experience of television with sport is going to become more. However as Nick does say, it still needs the fans there to make it sound and have a soul. The hum of Lords, the goal celebrations with no fans there really doesn't work. I love nothing more, in, especially football, when the crowd are going cheering and cheering and then the away team score yeah. and it goes <laughs> deathly silent. That's class. Same in like NFL when the home team are like on, on defence and it's like they, they're trying to get at the quarterback and then they burst into the end zone and it's just like deflating. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of a cheer atmosphere, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think it has a big impact on the TV stuff though is a lot of the time I think it comes down to the knowledge and who it is that you're having to listen to because that that's tv obviously has the commentary over what you don't have at live sport but you could either be like i, I know a lot of people don't like gary neville but his analysis is you know him and jamie carragher really bounce off each other and he's knowledgeable like a knowledgeable about the game but then 
you flick over a few channels, you can end up on BT Sport with Steve McManaman commentating. And for as good a player as Steve McManaman was, he's an absolute shite commentator, as is Michael Owen. And he sometimes he seems to get dragged onto BT Sport. So I think it can depend on who you're listening to as well, because chances are, if I'm flicking onto a game and one of them's commentating, I'm not watching it. Yeah. Jonah? Didn't Steve McManaman say after 10 minutes of the Bundesliga game, Dortmund are in good form at the moment when no one's played for three months? Probably. I, I, just, I wouldn't expect myself to have any skills as a commentator, but there should be some sort of a, you know, listening body or, or we should be able to vote for people who can just get kicked the fuck out because some <laughs> of them are just so bad you know i'm i'm very aware my voice is quite monotone i've listened back to the podcast i am aware of it i can't do much about it fuck off but there are <laughs> there are commentators out there who are just god awful and they're still going you say owen McManaman, bloody dreadful there's got to be people with personality who aren't roy Keane. It's like Roy Keane says something vaguely controversial and it's like, oh, look what he said, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, he's just called someone a dickhead, which is completely justified because he is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there should be some personality and, and we need a few more. You know what we need? We need someone like Gaza to not end up being a pisshead and actually go on the telly and be quite entertaining because I bet he'd have been brilliant. I think it'd be better with a few in him, to be honest. That's true. <laughs> there you go. We just solved it. They should be hammered. Let's get Michael Owen and Steve McManaman absolutely slaughtered and stick him in front of the next Bundesliga game and see what happens. <laughs> Worst case, it's a cracking watch. And on that fantastically educational note, we shall end. I hope you guys enjoyed, enjoyed the sports waffle for this week. Uh, we are back on Thursday. No, Friday? What day is it? This is coming out on Wednesday. We're recording on Thursday. The next one will be on Friday. And we've got a little surprise for you. We are joined yet again by the NFL lads on Thursday for uh, a very interesting and very controversial, I'm going to assume, uh, draft. We'll see you all then. Bye-bye.